So, we, last week we finished out, actually we finished out the 8th chapter in Paul's discussion on how we are to treat a weaker brother. We're to consider his conscience in its weakness and we're to conduct ourselves in a way that doesn't offend him. We're, because, and the reason for it is Christ died for that fellow. That, for that woman, for that person. And so, out of love and appreciation of his value to God, uh, you and I will forfeit a right that we have uh, for his sake. We, will, we have a legal right to do something, and we don't push our right if, if we, uh, we consider our brother in everything. And so... Uh, Here's a list that we went over. I think we went over this last week. If we didn't, well, here it is. Uh, these are principles for dealing, uh, for deciding action in the lawful realm. Things that are lawful for me to do. Uh, should I do them is the idea. I have a right to do them, but should I? I've got to take my brother into consideration. Uh, will it offend him? I don't want to offend my brother. Uh, I can teach him out of these things eventually, but at the moment he would be offended. And it might drive him away. And you might destroy somebody for whom Christ died. Uh, and that's the extreme of it. And so uh, here, is, here is my life actually in my decision making. Seven points. Uh, because my desire, as Paul declared, is to be without fault. I don't want to be a fault to anybody. I want to be without fault. And in doing so, I will consider these seven things. Uh, number one is excess. Uh, it deals with the activity or habit. Is it necessary that I'm doing this activity or habit? Is it necessary? It may be lawful, uh, and that's what we're discussing here. The actions that are lawful for me to do, they're in the lawful realm, and I have a right to do them. But am I going to push my rights? Would I destroy a brother, or will I take him into consideration and give up my rights in his behalf? If I think it would offend him and drive him away, I don't want to do it. And that's what Paul's teaching here. So, uh, excess, is the activity or habit necessary, or is it merely an extra that is not really that important in the first place? Uh, is it perhaps only an encumbrance that we should willingly give up? Now, in Hebrews 12 and verse 1, here's an interesting statement made by Paul. He said, uh, and one of you read it, uh, he said to lay aside every sin and the weight that doth so easily beset us and run with patience the race that's set before us. I didn't quote all that verse. Somebody read it. 12, Hebrews 12, 1. Uh, 12, uh, 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, 
Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. All right, so Christianity is a life that's dedicated to serving Christ and serving the lost to the extent, and serving the brethren to the extent that we will sit down and consider those things that so easily beset us, uh, the sin and those weights that hold us back uh, from service or from anything else uh, because we are not our own. We've been bought with a price. Paul said that. Don't you know that you're not your own? You've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body, which belongs to Him. All right, so number two, uh, we're to practice expediency. Uh, look at uh, chapter 6 and verse 12 of our study here in Corinthians. Chapter 6, verse 12. Is it expedient? Uh, verse 12, he says, uh, I'm not in 6. I don't remember where but there. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. I don't have to do them. Uh, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Alright, so... Uh, so we, we've got to ask ourselves the question, is what I want to do help, helpful and useful or only desirable? Just something I want to do. Is it helpful for others? Is it helpful for the church? Uh, is it useful or is it just something that I have a desire to do? So we've got to exercise uh, expediency. And number three on the board is uh, emulation. First uh, John two and verse six. Uh, I thought I wrote them things down. I guess it didn't. First John two and verse six. saith he abideth in him that is in Christ ought himself also to walk even as Christ walked and so that makes Jesus my example and I found it and it's I'm sad to say it took me a lot of years to see it but I think I've finally seen it that every time I have a decision to make in life I always ask myself how how did Christ face those kind of things? What did he do in regard to those things? And uh, because I need to walk as he walked. He's my example. And so uh, I'm to emulate him. 1 John 2, 6 again. So, uh, so if we're doing what Christ would do, our action is not only permissible, but it's good and it's right. All right, uh, number four, uh, example. Are we setting the right example for others? 
especially for weaker brothers and sisters. If we follow Christ, others will be able to follow our example. And of course, Paul did say that to the Corinthians. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. And there's nothing wrong in following a man as, as long as you check it out that he's following Christ. Uh, there's a lot you can learn on uh, uh, from another brother or a sister. Uh, there's a lot of things you can learn in how you can edify and build up the church and members of the church just watching one of your brothers or sisters and how they do it. Uh, I've learned quite a bit from old elderly ladies. They were older than I was when I was a boy, but I watched them. I, I was impressed because I ran into some very uh, uh, Christian women who looked into the depths of their purpose and their reason for existence. Uh, they was there when you needed them. They was there to support you and help you. And they had eyes of compassion. And uh, to a boy that was wrapped up in a lot of trouble, that meant a whole bunch. So, <clears throat> example. Number five, evangelism. Uh, is my witness about Christ to be uh, helped or hindered? Will unbelievers be drawn to Christ or turned away from Him by what I am doing? <clears throat> Colossians 4 and verse 5, Paul gives the admonition to walk in wisdom to them that are without. To the world out here, we walk wisely in front of them. Uh, we don't put stumbling blocks before them. We're trying to reach them. Uh, we have a, a lawful right to do whatever we're doing, but all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. Uh, and then uh, the last thing there, number seven, exaltation. Uh, what we do needs to be uh, run through this sieve. Uh, will the Lord be lifted up and glorified in what I do? Uh, because God's glory and exaltation should be the supreme purpose behind everything that I do. In, in uh, the 10th chapter here of 1 Corinthians, verse 31, he says, he finishes out that verse by saying, do all, uh, do all uh, to the glory of God. All to the glory of God. in life and do in life. Uh, that's how I deal with a weaker brother. Whatever his weakness is, I deal with him by these seven principles. And uh, if you do, I'll guarantee you'll win him if he's honest. All right, now we're going to go into another discussion in this second half of the book uh, or the second section of the book. Uh, 
more than half of it actually. When we started in chapter five, uh, he got us into a thinking area because we're having to apply what we know uh, to real and the nature of the problems. Uh, but we need to remember that our Christian rights are not sacred. They're not even to be considered more important as the weaker brothers progress in the church. And so I'll give up my rights for a weaker brother. Uh, now, let's let Paul uh, deal with rights here in chapter 9. Uh, we're going to deal with human rights. And first of all, let's notice some rights that Paul did, did not use in verse 1 through 12. Now, Paul is using himself as an example here of the fact that he gave up certain rights that he had a right to for the sake of the Corinthian church. And he wants them to know it. He's not bragging necessarily, and yet he is. But he's bragging in Christ uh, so that they can understand uh, this nature of giving something up that you have a right to do. All right, so uh, he discusses his rights in two areas. Uh, number one, as an apostle, verse 1 through 6, and number two, as a worker, that's verse 7 through 12. So he discusses his rights as an apostle and as a worker. He says, I've got rights because I'm an apostle, and I've got rights because I'm a worker, a minister of God. So these are rights, however, that Paul did not use. He didn't use these rights. He had a right to them, but he didn't use them. And I'll jump ahead here for a minute. He's going to talk about being supported. And Paul had a right to this, but he didn't use it. He's not writing the church to beg for money. He's telling them, I, yeah, I had a right, and God established that right. Uh, he's going to prove that. But he's going to show them that I didn't push that right. I, I forfeited that right and many others. So I don't think he's, uh, he's changed the subject from chapter 8. It doesn't look like it. I think he's still talking about how to deal with the weaker brother. And so he answer, he's answering the question of how do you deal with your rights as they relate to the weaker brother as they relate to you? And finally, how do you deal with your rights as it relates to the lost? He says, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may uh, not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. And so Paul said, I'm an apostle. Uh, I want you to remember that as he starts out here to the Corinthians. Uh, he's, he's saying, surely you knew that. I'm an apostle. I think he's doing that to make a point. Now, if there are rights, uh, uh, if these rights he speaks of, 
are not important, then there's no big deal about giving them up. But these rights are important. These rights here that he's talking about. They are scripturally rights. Scriptural rights. And the Bible says that Paul uh, uh, <clears throat> ought to have had certain things done to him. But he says, I don't want these things done to me because I see what it would have done to you. And I can see what my denying of these rights would do for you. And so I don't want to use these rights. Now the Bible says you ought to use them. I mean the Bible uh, says we ought to make sure that Paul enjoys these things. And Paul says, uh, wait a minute, that's not my desire. But these are significant, godly, scriptural, important rights that he forfeits. He has a right to forfeit them. <coughs> he says in verse uh, 3, This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. Uh, don't we have a right to, to food and drink? And so what's the first uh, right an apostle has? Support. That's what he's talking about. Being supported. What should the uh, Corinthian church have done? Well, they should have supported him. That was his right. He said, I have that right to food and drink. Uh, he says in verse 5, Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us? as do the other apostles and the Lord's brother and Cephas. And so, uh, what does he have a right to? He has a right to a wife, and he also has uh, a right to tr uh, travel support. So Paul says, I have a right to uh, support, uh, and I have a right to a wife and uh, a travel fund. I have that right as an apostle because I am an apostle. He says, you remember that. But I gave up these rights. I didn't force these things, but they're scriptural. Uh, so that sounds like... Uh, uh, that sounds American, doesn't it? Uh, pushy Americans. But Paul has that right because that's a legitimate, godly, scriptural, Christian right that he has as an apostle. And then he talked about his right as a worker. He starts out with three illustrations in verse 7. He says, Who, uh, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its grapes? Who is it that tends a flock and, and does not drink of the milk? So what farmer doesn't participate in the crop is what Paul's saying. And what goat herder doesn't drink of the milk of the produce of his labor? Verse 8, he says, Do I say this merely from a human point of view? And so Paul says, Isn't it logical I'm using? Logic I'm using? Is it fairly logical? Well, certainly it is. Uh, doesn't the law say the same thing? Now look at verse 9. For it is written, 
So here Paul goes back to the Old Testament and he pulls a scripture out that they're well familiar with to prove that it's, it's right to support a man who works of the gospel, labors in it, particularly an apostle in this instance. For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Now you've probably seen pictures of a treadmill. Uh, it would generally be a big stone and uh, it would be worn down from years of that ox traveling around uh, grinding the, the, the wheat and the barley and things. And so they'd have a, a center post in the middle of this arena and an arm sticking out there and a harness hooked up to this ox and he would walk in a circle. That was his life, walking daily in a circle. And as he walked, uh, they'd pour the grain in there in that trough and he would tread it, he would mash it and get it ready for eating. And so Paul uses this illustration. He says in verse 9, For it is written in the law of Moses, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Uh, uh, is it about oxen that God cares? Did he have this written because he cared more about oxen? No, this is a principle that goes deep into every facet of life. And so Paul is saying, uh, he has a law that you don't muzzle the ox that treads the corn. What do you think he has a law about man and supporting uh, an apostle? So he says again, as a worker, I have a right to biblical support. As an apostle, I have a right to be supported. And also as a worker, even if I were not an apostle, just being a worker, I have a right to it. Because a workman is worthy of his hire. <clears throat> and he asked a question, uh, or the question is evident from that verse from the Old Testament. Does God care less of Christian workers than he does of oxen? When the oxen were treading out the grain, uh, you were not to muzzle him. He can consume uh, every bit of that grain that he wants. Uh, that's what the law. That was what the law said. Now the Jews, they they wanted to muzzle that dude because uh, that's more uh, grain that you can sell. Their greed set in, and uh, that's why God gave that law. Uh, then Paul applies that principle, uh, that law to us in verse ten. He applies it to us, that law of uh, not muzzling ox. He says, verse 10, Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us because when the plowman plows and the thrasher thrashes, they ought to do so in hope of sharing in the harvest. Uh, had Paul plowed among them there at Corinth? Well, certainly he had. Had he sowed the word among them? Yes, he had. Did he have the right to expect harvest fi uh, financially from them? Yeah, he did. Uh, verse 11. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material 
harvest from you? Verse 12, if others have uh, this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? Because we're apostles. Uh, that's what he's telling them. Now, it sounds like he's asking for money, doesn't it? And he's not. He's not. He, uh, we'll see that in the rest of this uh, chapter. He doesn't ask for money at all. He's going to turn down any money that you try to give him. He's trying to teach them a lesson. And that's why Paul is making all these points about his rights. And so he's still dealing with the chapter 8, isn't he? How you deal with a weaker brother. You have certain rights, but you have also the right to forbear your right if you love your brother, if you think it might offend him. That's a decision that you have to make personally. Nobody else can make it for you. Nobody else could be a marshal or a sheriff and go around telling you what you ought to do. You have to make that decision. And if you love God and love your brother, you'll make the right decision, naturally. Because you'll be following the way Christ walked. He'll be your, you'll let him be your example, as you see up there. You'll emulate him in the way you deal with your fellow man. Uh, so he's going to tell you he's given them up and he wants you to know he's given up something that's really significant, really beneficial, really Christian, and it's biblical and spiritual. He's not giving up something that uh, he just wanted. These things are biblical and spiritual and yet he gives them up. He's trying to show them that he loves them and he let no man... Uh, take away his glory in the fact that he served uh, Christ to the expense of his own uh, self. I think that's pretty important. And then he gives some reasons why he's not uh, going to use them rights in verse 12 through verse 18. Uh, he's uh, Well, let's read that, verse 12 through 18. If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but we suffered all things, lest we should, uh, lest we should uh, hinder the gospel of Christ. Uh, do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they that wait at the altar are partakers of the alt with the altar? Even so, hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. But I have used none of these things, Paul says, and neither have I written these things that it should be done so unto me. For it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glorying void. Uh, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Now there Paul's dealing with that principle we speak of sometimes, that ability 
plus opportunity before God equals responsibility, and he'll hold you accountable for it. For if I do uh, this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, what is my reward then? Verily that, when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not, uh, not my power in the gospel. Well, let's stop right there in verse 18, because uh, there he's given reasons why he's not going to use the rights that he started out talking about in the first of this chapter. He had a right to those things, but he forfeited them. He made that decision. God didn't demand that of him. He made that decision. And he made that decision because he loved them, because he was concerned about them, and he didn't want to offend anyone. And so he's got every right, the right to support, the right for marriage, the right to, for travel support as an apostle. And he has a right by working among the Corinthian brethren to be uh, cared for financially uh, by those brothers. Uh, as he established, the laborers worthy of his hire. Uh, he will tell Timothy as he talks about supporting elders. And so uh, he'll tell them that the labor is worthy of his hire. Of course, I didn't write that scripture down, but you can find it if you want it. And so he continues in uh, starting, uh, stating the reasons why he will not use his rights of support and marriage and travel support in verse 12 through 18 that we just read. So there are three reasons he won't use his rights. Number one, he won't use them because... Uh, uh, he says, I still want to talk to you. He says, but we did not use this right. What rights? The right to be supported by you. We did not use this right. Uh, they had the right, uh, but they didn't use it. It was a personal uh, hurt to give up this right because he had to support himself with his own hands and this took time away from what he was called by God to do. God called him as an apostle. God sent him to the Gentile nations. And uh, he had a right to this support, but he didn't take it in this case. And that was to be an apostle. That's what God chose him for, uh, to be apostle of the Gentiles. It wasn't uh, even best for them that he do that. In the second Corinthian letter, he will ask them to forgive him for this wrong uh, of not taking support from them because it was wrong. Uh, but it was his right to make it. Verse 12, but we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with everything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. And so his concern was reaching the lost, edifying the saved in the congregation there at Corinth. And he said the reason that we conducted ourselves this way, we had a right to a wife, we had a right to support, we had a right to these things. 
but we forfeited them for your sake. Maybe you've had a father uh, in your life that sometimes set you down and told you about his love for you and giving up this and forfeiting that. And mothers also telling their children of the rights that they had a right to and they give them up for the children. Uh, the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31 uh, that Solomon spoke of. He, he talked about this worthy woman uh, who her beauty is far beyond rubies. Her price is far beyond uh, any price that you might put on her because she's very industrious. And she has uh, rights as other humans do, but she forfeits her rights. And, Paul, and Solomon says it this way in one place. He says, her candle does not go out by night. Now, don't be so naive as to think he's talking about a literal candle and, and it not going out by night. He's using that as an illustration that this woman is so dedicated to her family. That's what gives her that worth, that value that he began to talk about. That That's what gives her that worth that even in the middle of the night, she'll forfeit her right for a good night's sleep get up for her family. She'll get up in the middle of the night for him. That's the idea. As he describes uh, very articulately uh, the virtuous woman's uh, industriousness. Uh, he'll talk about how her husband is praised in the gates of the city uh, by all that know him and know her because of her. So she brings honor to her husband because of her uh, virtues because of her uh, labor and her giving up her rights for the family. And that's what a mother does, isn't it? That's what a father does. They forfeit a lot of their rights. Maybe they wouldn't like to go hunting. They have a right to, but they'll forfeit it for the family. Instead, they'll take maybe the kids to the park or down to see the geese or something. I'm just using that as an illustration. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, here's here's a fact here: uh, the fact that you may leave someday, and someone uh, will ask you why, and your answer may be something like this: "Well, they did this and this and this and this, and I didn't have to put up with that." You ever heard talk like that? I have. I'm too good for that. I don't have to put up with that. And that's why I left. Uh, and you're right if you don't. Uh, you've got the right not to put up with it. That's true. But will you for their sake? That is the question. When it comes to the brethren. When it comes to a soul that may be lost if you don't walk circumspectly before him, are you going to uh, forfeit your rights out of love for him, or are you just going to boldly and bluntly push ahead with no love in it at all? I'm going to do this because it's my right. Well, that's the idea. That's the question. Uh, so Paul says, but we put up with everything 
verse 12, rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. That's his objective is not to hinder the gospel and its influence on others. Uh, he says in verse 13, don't you know that those who uh, work in the temple get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? Verse 14. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that these who preach, those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. So Paul's even letting them violate it, uh, let them violate it for man for their, uh, for their good. Now think about that for a while. They have a command to do what Paul is not allowing them to do. They have a command, don't muzzle the ox that treads the corn. A workman's worthy of his hire, as Paul told Timothy about elders that work in a congregation. And so these people are most important even though they still think Idols are gods, and they're not obeying the commands to support the worker. Uh, these are the Corinthians. They, they're weak in their faith, see? But they're still what? What are they still at this moment? Remember chapter 1, verse 1 through 9? How did Paul begin with them? You're the church of God. You're sanctified. You're justified. You have all things. God has furnished everything for you like a father would a child. So this is the church of God, lacking in nothing, falling behind in no spiritual gifts. That's what we saw in the first nine verses. Called into the fellowship with God's people. Uh, held blameless on the day of judgment. Even though they're blameful, they can be blamed. They're held blameless because of the mercy and the grace of God. Now, don't you know those people popped buttons on their shirt when they heard or heard Paul's letter being read and they just heard the first nine verses of chapter 1? And don't you know it's based on that mercy and grace that God ministered toward them in the salvation that they had that they listened to Paul. They was willing to allow him to go into the skullduggery of their evilness and correct those matters. Verse 15. Paul says, But I have not used any of these rights. Am I not writing this uh, in the hope that you... Uh, and I am not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me. He says, This is not said so that money starts coming my way, I would rather die than have anyone dis, uh, deprive me uh, of this boasting. That is, in preaching Christ among the Corinthians, who counted his monies the most important thing in all the world. He said, I would not allow anybody to, to deprive me of my boast of uh, bearing with you and bearing your burdens. I've given up all thing, all these rights to serve you. Somebody says that's boasting. Yeah, he's boasting 
in his surrender to Christ on behalf of these people. That's what he's boasting about. He had the, these people in mind, and that's what his boasting's about. In other words, he says, I'm boasting about being your brother and bearing your burdens. And isn't that what he talked about in chapter 8? So you see how he's still talking about dealing with the weaker brother? And so nobody's going to deprive me of that boasting. That's what Paul's saying. Now he talks about responsibility in verse uh, 16. He says, Yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And of course we talked about that before. You're God's planting. You're God's trees. And he expects fruit from you. He don't expect more than you can produce. Uh, uh, as you are tied in uh, up to the vine, like uh, John 15 declares, you can do nothing outside of Christ, but nevertheless, God expects things of you. Doesn't a father expect things from a son? Now, the father doesn't expect the son, uh, four years old, to go out and, and break that a stallion out there in the, in the corral or in the milk that cow. He's not ready for those things. But when the time comes, by reason of time and experience, that father requires that, and he's upset if he doesn't get that kind of a response. The church thinks, God loves me, and I'm saved, and that's it. And they go on about their life like there was no responsibility. There's no response to God. If it's convenient to talk about God in a crowd, they will. If it's not, they're not going to. They're not going to cause any waves or anything. They're they're going to shut hush up right there. Uh, so there's people that serve themselves, not the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying that uh, that uh, the ability plus the opportunity before God equals responsibility again, because he said. When I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Compelled. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Now, only a mature person like Paul is going to understand that. And his love is going to drive him to preach, isn't it? So Paul's responsibility is to preach the gospel. The good news, uh, not to get their, uh, them rights that he talked about, but to preach the gospel. And we've got to recognize that we are uh, preachers and not policemen. You're not responsible for the response people make uh, to your lessons. You are responsible to preach truthfully and in love. And if the man of God preaches the word of God, with the love of God, by the Spirit of God, what happens is the will of God. That's why Paul began this letter by telling them in the uh, third chapter, he said, I planted Apollos watered, and God gives the increase. <laughs> 
<clears throat> and that's what he's saying here. Uh, uh, then in verse 17 and 18 here, uh, he talks about his reward is the reason he won't practice these rights. He won't insist on these rights. He'll have nothing to do with them. Number one, he wants to reach out to them. And you, no better way to reach out to people than to show that you have an ardent love for them, even to the sacrifice of your own rights and your own uh, health and welfare, or however you describe it. Number two, he's got the responsibility to preach the gospel. Uh, is the second reason uh, he won't use these rights. And number three, he's got a reward coming, so why does he want those rights? He says, if I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. Uh, if not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. Verse 18, what then is my reward? Well, here it is, just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make use of my rights in preaching it. And so although we had a right to support, although they had a command, a commandment to support them, he says, this is what I boast in. Uh, I'm, I'm giving away. I make tents so I can give away the gospel of Christ. So here's a case of a free man making himself a slave. Now that's paradoxical, isn't it? A free man making himself a slave? And how many letters did Paul write that he didn't describe himself as Paul, an apostle, a servant, a slave of Jesus Christ, one that's bought with a price? And you and I need to recognize that slavery. We've been bought with a price. But our service to God, our slavery to God will be voluntarily. So Paul is saying, uh, I'm preaching without a choice, but I put myself there. I put myself in this seat where I uh, knew I'd have no choice but to go right on. The love of Christ com compels me, but I voluntarily put myself there. Now that's a free man making himself to be a slave. It's a man volunteering to be a uh, uh, to be forced. In Romans 1, Paul said, uh, I'm a debtor to everybody. Now, I don't see the brotherhood seeing himself as a debtor. There's some men and women that I see has that attitude, but most of them don't see themselves as a debtor to other men and women, to the world, not just to Christians brothers in Christ, but to the world. We're debtors. We owe them when the opportunity is there to make known the manifold wisdom of God. That's our job. And so, verse 17 and 18, he simply says, the reward that I receive in offering the gospel free of charge, that's my reward. That's uh, that which I have a right 
to be paid for, I refuse to be paid for. I'm offering this free of charge. That's what he's saying. Verse 19 through 27. Paul had a right to serve and Paul exercised that right. He says, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. So he says, I am free. As he speaks and writes this epistle, he is free. There's one of those paradoxical uh, paradoxes, which is a seeming contradiction, isn't it? A free slave, that's a paradox. A volunteer slave? And so, uh, you can't... Uh, you can't bind him. He's a free man who made himself a slave. You can't make him one. The Lord can, though, because again, as we spoke Sunday about this, salvation is a free gift. It's, a, it's an undeserved gift. We didn't deserve it. And because of the nature of that gift, it is free and undeserved. It is a demanding gift, not in the price of the gift but in the thanksgiving of the gift. And to uh, quote Paul, the apostle, he said, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. <clears throat> he says, though I'm free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone. Well, why? He says, to win as many as possible. Uh, and that's how we deal with the weaker brother, isn't it? Or people in the world. We try not to bring reproach on Christ in any way. And so we look to these seven things up here as uh, those things that uh, causes us to not uh, to be without fault in this world we live in. There's nobody can charge us with evidence, with facts. And so you're not going to win as many as possible until you make yourself a slave. And that is a very important issue right there. A preacher goes in to a congregation. Uh, I'm just painting a picture here that maybe will illustrate this. And he thinks everybody ought to recognize him as being the great one because he knows a little bit more than the rest of them do. And uh, if they don't uh, bow and submit to his uh, greatness and his uh, abilities, then he's going to move on to someplace else because I don't have to put up with that. Well, that wasn't Paul's attitude. <coughs> and that isn't the man of God's attitude. The man of God is that he makes himself a slave under Christ and under the lost. Didn't Jesus do that? Shouldn't We just read a passage a while ago that said we ought to walk as he walked. <coughs> so we look to his example, how he walked among men. And that's the way I want to walk. I don't always get the job done, but I try. <coughs> and I get better along the way. Uh, <clears throat> 
And so we need to understand this uh, principle of surrendering to be a slave and the fact that we don't stand up here at the pulpit to comfort the afflicted. We stand up here to afflict the comfortable. That's our job. That's the man of God's job. If you can't feel the heat of God's word, then you're not being chastened, are you? And in Hebrews 12, verse 5, Paul said, Whom the Lord loves, he does what? He chastens and scourges every one of us. So if you're not feeling the heat, maybe you need to uh, put some, get somebody else in the pulpit. If you're not a dwelling in the warmth of God's grace from the pulpit, if you're not feeling the heat of the correction that comes from the Word of God from the pulpit, then maybe you ought to see about getting somebody else in the pulpit. So uh, Paul says in the latter part of this chapter to the Jews I become like a Jew uh, being a Jew slave that is and uh, verse 22 uh, uh, as he talks about what he becomes he becomes weak and all things to all men to those under the law I became uh, like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. And so Paul, more than being a condemner of ignorance, he was one who pleaded with ignorance to understand the goodness and mercy of God. Now he could be bold when it was necessary. But he didn't trample on men. He became what they were, that he might reach them. And that's how you reach men, isn't it? You empathize with them, as it were. Uh, so, verse 21. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as, and here's the purpose of it, to win those not having the law. So Paul is flexible as far as he can be to win others. He goes the limit as far as he can go without sinning against God. He tries to be all things to all men. So Paul's not only become a slave, but he becomes socially related to these people. Verse 22. To the weak, I become weak. Now, how do you become weak? You let people know that you've suffered the same afflictions as, as they do. Uh, you let them know that we're in the same boat, except Christ has given me and can give you uh, the ability to overcome. Uh, he says, uh, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. Verse 23, I do all things for the sake of the gospel that I may share in it 
its blessings. And so Paul is flexible. Uh, uh, now, does that verse not say, does that verse say that you won't share in the blessings unless you do that? Would it be kind of, would it kind of indicate that? That I do all things in this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. In the rejoicing, in the blessings, in the gospel. The gospel is the only thing that can bring a smile to a sinner's face in recognition of God's grace and forgiveness, and also at the same time bring a smile to the man that brought it to him. They both share in the blessings of the gospel. We're going to stop right there. Time's up. <laughs> Let's see, what's the... Oh, this is the fifth. <laughs> this is my birthday. Uh, how could I forget that? Pizza? Oh boy. 
That sounds pretty good. I got ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> we got cupcakes. Mm -hmm. I got probably. Well, they're good. They are good. Oh, I love that. That's I never laid claim to be in a big mouth, but here goes. <laughs> yes, yes, you did. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> SpongeBob uh, thing there. <laughs> it's, from, it's from Trader Joe. It's got a toaster on it and toast and a banana. And yeah, Annie went to spoke. Well, they went to the Seahawks game. Oh, and yeah. yeah, and they went to that Trader Joe's and stuff. brought mom the white lamp, six of them. Do that. What I want to do is eat the top off and put more frosting. No. <laughs> 